want to give a listener's note that this uh, conversation ended up being an hour, and uh, we're dividing it up into two parts. So this is part one, how uh, signs of an unhealthy relationship. And then next week, we'll continue that discussion, but we get into something extremely powerful at the end. So I would recommend uh, that you listen to both of them so you get the full benefit of this conversation. Okay, I'm going to start off a little different today, Coach. I'm going to say welcome to all of our listeners. Yep, yep. Yes. Thank you for uh, being... uh, friends with us and listening to our conversations. Hopefully they've been helpful and we're doing something new. We're always evolving in our technology. So right now coach is sitting in his vehicle in Albuquerque. Uh, the sound is great. And, uh, but if he sounds a little bit different, that's why. And I'm here in the, the podcast room, I call it. So coach, go ahead and introduce yourself and then I'll introduce myself and we'll dive into our topic. Oh, wow. Coach Greg McNeil, um, wow, servant. That's what I am. I'm a servant to uh, individuals who are trying to live their best life. Yes, I have credentials, but credentials are not what's really important for me right now. It's really the work I do, you know, helping people to do the things that make them feel good, right? Yes. Um, and... And right now, I'm very excited about the opportunity to be able to continue to help people uh, to live their best lives going forward, right? Yes. Absolutely. Well, I'm Sherry Wilson, and I'm his partner in crime, so to speak, when it comes to helping people live their their best authentic life. That's right. Um, But, you know, it's funny uh, because Dragon Maine is... um, on right now, like big time, right? So me and Mike have been going each night so I can get content and pictures and videos for the Facebook page. And, you know, I built their website because that's one of the things I do consulting and mentoring as well. But, uh, we've, uh, as far as like impact in life, you know, you never know like how much you'll have an impact and it can seem like what you're doing is small at the time, but we were uh, at the Wiener Stencil, and there's this uh, 442 Olds that's all original. And uh, I said, hey, I want to grab some more content on that vehicle because it caught my eye. And we mm-hmm. go over there. Well, it happened to be owned by a teacher that had a really large impact in Mike's life in junior high. And we didn't know he was the owner. And Mike's looking at him, and he said, do you remember me? And, of course, you know, he's got his long goatee, so he didn't, uh, you know, figure it out at first. He's like, Mike Wilson? And uh, so, anyway, it just, you know, years, years had passed. And it's like your ordinary job of capturing content, building a website has led to like a, or you know, reunion, so to speak, with someone that had a, a big impact on Mike's life. And he was, you know, his art teacher. And uh, so anyway, he took us for a ride in his 442, and uh, he said, you know, I think Mike might have a couple of assignments left. (laughs) He said, if I send them, will you make sure he does them? (laughs) But, you know, Mike was telling me just how much he blessed him and was uh, a good influence on him. So all that to say that you never 
need to discount what you do for a living or the impact you have on people. You may think that it's not making an impact or it's small, but it's actually a really large impact. Okay. So what you just said is really important about impact and, and not discounting the impacts that we can make in one another's lives, right? No matter how great or small, what you think it is, but someone else, the recipient of your service is the one that recognizes the impact. <clears throat> and it just so happens on my last day on the base, I'm, I'm trying to get to my vehicle. <laughs> and all of a sudden I hear somebody say, coach. And I look over and it's this one gentleman. Um, I call him the Marlboro man for short, right? Cause he's just kind of got those looks good looks. And um, anyway, one of the things that he said to me was, I want to thank you for helping me out. And he showed me his wedding ring. And he married the woman that he didn't know if he was going to be able to have this woman in his life. But he needed to be able to change, Sherry, in order to, let's say, land that big fish, right? He knew he loved her and she loved him, too. Uh oh. Yeah. She loved him, too. But she was like, you have some mannerisms or some thinking patterns that don't really work for me. And I asked him, I said, you know what? How badly do you want to be with this woman? Right. Because she's means anything at all. She just wants you to be available to her. Right. Um. And I think that's what we're really saying is you just never know how it's going to work out. And there's been so many songs that says, well, what if God is one of us, right? You know, you never know who you might meet. Right. So you always want to treat people with kindness and respect and authenticity. You know, um, so we lost you a little bit there, uh, Coach. So if you're wondering, I did turn off your video. And um, but so you're basically saying that, you know, with this this man, you know, he because of your influence, he was able to do some of the things that he needed to do in order to have the relationship that he wanted to have. And like you said, catch that big fish. And it's neat when people come up and say thank you or they share, you know, their their story, but that's really, by the way, I'm sure you recognize a great segue into our topic. Yes. Yes. Because, um, I wanted to discuss, uh, how to recognize unhealthy relationships, but maybe we should say how to recognize healthy relationships. And so by you saying, you know, that he, uh, had some things that she recognized that were potential problem areas. And then he went to work. That tells me he really, really wanted uh, that relationship. And he was willing to do what it took in order to have that. And uh, so can you go into that a little bit, Coach? Yes. So one of the things that was really interesting is, <clears throat> let's start with the idea that I'm talking about a really a stunningly good-looking guy, okay? <laughs> I don't care who you are. This guy is drop-dead gorgeous, right? And when, and he, and uh, 
And he's, you know, he's into ranching and stuff like that. So he really can wear the moniker, the Marlboro Man, right? <laughs> yes. But he comes from a background where he says, you know, I'm a little bit conservative when it comes to intimacy. Mm. Okay? Yeah. Well, he was seeing me because she didn't like that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> she didn't want to be trapped by his paradigms. Yeah. And she was willing to walk out of the relationship. And he realized in our work together, it was like he didn't need to hold those ideas because they weren't really true for him. And they were actually getting in the way of what he said he really wanted. So he took the time to examine himself. But when he did, he said, you know what? Why am I behaving this way? I love this woman. She loves me. It's like she's asking me for something that I can give to her. And that's what he did. Mm -hmm. You know, he met her where she was at. She met him where he was at. Now they're 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 married with each other and they're happy. And I'm so happy for him because he recognized, hey, look. If it means that I need to change to have what I want, I'll change. Yeah. But what's interesting about that is <clears throat> it doesn't just apply to interpersonal relationships. That's the great thing about it. Yes. You know, and so he changed and now he gets to ride off into the sunset with the woman he loves. Yeah. Well, you and, know, and that's that's one of the things like, like you saying, it's not just inter. Well, I guess you could say romantic, you know, relationships. The things that I want to, to discuss when it comes to recognizing healthy and then unhealthy relationships can apply to business relationships. It can apply to, you know, romantic relationships, friendships, and even your uh, relationship with uh, family members, children, etc. And one of the things that um, I, I had an incident as far as like a professional relationship where I... I will not work with three types of clients. And um, uh, one of them is the sadistic client, the um, perfectionist client, and it might be the narcissistic client. I'm not sure, but all of them have specific characteristics. And I, I had done a blog post on them. It's still there uh, on my website, which that's in the show notes. But um, one of them was where... You can't do anything good. Uh, well, let, let's put it this way. They don't notice any of the good work you do. What they do is they attack you uh, when there's, on, like when you make a mistake. So it's any little mm. thing that you do uh, that is a minor mistake to maybe a large mistake. They are very sadistic in how they deal with you. The perfectionist, it's kind of like the same way in that, you know, they... They uh, nitpick every single thing. There's never a good job or nothing like that. It's like everything is nitpicked to, to death. And then the other one was where at first you have a great working relationship. They're very excited. Things are good. The minute a problem comes up, there's an attack. And I think one of the things that might be important is for people to have those core values. So like you were talking about mm. with this man and this lady, they were very clear and concrete in what they wanted, and yet they were willing to compromise based on core values and things that uh, were important to them. And so it's almost like a, an interpersonal policy. And so, 
you know, fast forward, I'm like, gosh, let's see, three to four years into my business. And I had a great working relationship with a lady. And uh, we worked very closely together. And another individual was introduced into the working relationship. Uh, and I had already voiced that I worked with the owner, you know, like, um, mm. I, I would work with this lady as long as it was going to be beneficial. Well, it ended up not being beneficial. And I walked away from that meeting, uh, basically feeling like I was attacked and all the hard work we had spent, you know, five to six months on was torn down in a matter of seconds. And I sat in my car uh, to calm myself a little bit. And then I, I was so upset. I drove over to, over to where Mike works and I told him what happened. And he said, didn't you write a blog post on this? And I said, yes, I did. And he said, uh, I think you need to go by your own core values and your own, uh, policy that you wrote about in your blog post. And I said, you're absolutely right. And so I executed the next phase of ending that working relationship, you know, making sure I fulfilled all of the contract, et cetera, et cetera. And the person didn't realize the extent, you know, hurting people hurt people. So uh, since then, mm -hmm. she's, you know, been able to work through some things and things are great. I now get to enjoy my previous relationship with my client um, and it, everything worked out good. But all that to say that I had a definite idea of what my working relationships were going to be. And quite frankly, I was not going to work with anyone that uh, was, you know, just not along the same lines of how I wanted that to look, you know, peaceful, uh, cooperative, you know, um, coordinate together, strategize together. I just wasn't willing to compromise on those. So that's a professional example there, coach, of where making sure you have those things concrete. Yeah, absolutely. So for me, um, I know we, I heard you say compromise twice and you know where I'm at with that word <clears throat> negotiate, right? It's like, look, if we compromise, we don't win. You're right. Yeah. That's the wrong word. You know, yeah. You know, we, we, we really don't win, but I understand what you're saying because you didn't compromise. What you did was it's like, look, you need to correct this situation. Otherwise you and I are just not working together because it's not good for us. Right. Yeah. So when we start talking about how to recognize an unhealthy relationship, we have to start with the first relationship. And the first relationship is the one that we have with ourselves, mm. right? Yes. Because that's the relationship that establishes what happens with us next, right? If we don't have what you just mentioned, core values, which would translate into boundaries, right? Yes. We teach other people how to treat us, right? So when we get into any type of relationship, uh, interpersonal, business, family, whatever it is, we have an obligation right then to establish how we want that relationship to go for our part. If we neglect that, if we don't do the work that's needed on our part, then we're going to have a very difficult time navigating those relationships when they come into our lives. So what you just got through saying, somebody is not treating you right. They don't like, uh, I can't remember how you, how you phrased it, 
But let's just say they don't see the good that you do, but only the mistakes that you make. So they want to harp on your mistakes, right? Mm -hmm. Well, if that's happening to us, we have to stop and say, well, hang on for a second. Anybody can make a mistake, and I get that. But if all they want is to harp on my mistake, then we have to ask ourselves, is this the best relationship for us to be in? Because that behavior is not going to change unless we do something to let that other individual know, hey, look, we need to change this because this is not working for us. And that's what you did. Yeah. And when I, when you're talking coach, I'm like thinking of some things, you know, just like past relationships or people I know, you know, one thing that's important, like I would say core values. So obviously values, just like personality strengths, if, if overextended can uh, become weaknesses. So you always want to make sure you have them in the proper context of liberty, which to me is yeah. you're free to do and be who you are. I'm free to do and be who I am. However, if, if there's anything that's uh, like a pattern of harming each other, then that needs to be looked at and that needs to be addressed because liberty is the intersection of freedom and morals, meaning my core values will dictate my freedom so that I don't harm us or our relationship. While at the same time, there might be things that are not necessarily harmful, but there's paradigms and mindsets that are origin stories that could you know, prohibit communication and freedom and things like that. And whenever you were talking, I was thinking, you know, there's specific things that are really important. Uh, like me and Mike, you know, we've been married 30 years and we both uh, value freedom. And when I first got married to him out of insecurity, I would try to control things. Um, and he's just not one to be controlled, as you can imagine. And so he helped me learn that. And then I helped him learn things. And so we allowed each other to have influence over one another. But one of the things that's very important is freedom. And mm -hmm. uh, another for someone might be integrity or honesty or mm -hmm. adventure, mm -hmm. forgiveness, kindness, all of those yep. things. But I think in all of them, Coach, one of the most damaging signs of an unhealthy, or I guess I would say one of the signs of an unhealthy relationship and one of the most damaging things is not listening to the other partner. Uh, what do you think about that? It is, uh, Sherry, that is, because listening is essential in great communication and also relationships. You know, for in the work that I do clinically, once I, when I'm working, let's say in a, I'm working with a couple, once it becomes clear to me that one of the other partners is just not listening to the other person, then I come back to the one, let's say, that's not listening to, listen to. Mm -hmm. And it's like, you're going to have to make a decision, right? Yes. Because if this person is not listening, that's also indicative of what their state of mind is regarding you, right? If I'm not listening to you, um, I'm not honoring who you are as a person. I'm not respecting everything that surrounds you. I'm dismissing it. And we just simply should not stay in any relationship when that is occurring, right? Yeah. Because now you're just talking about, now we're getting into personality I could almost say like disorder, I can start diagnosing, but it's like, look, 
if they're not listening to you, you don't have the relationship that you think you have, regardless of the genre or the area that that relationship is occurring in. Coach, that is so good because, you know, listening is not just hearing words and then formulating your response before they're done. Listening is actually hearing what they're saying with an, a, an attention to trying to understand what they're saying, where they're coming from, with also the idea of you sharing in a vulnerable way and then working towards some type of solution. And I agree with you. Anytime I've worked, whether it's been professional or personal, dominantly personal, any of my mentoring clients, if they have a a partner that is not listening to them, it's like, okay, that's, you can't get past that. You can't. So you, you have one of two decisions. You either settle into a life that you don't want or you you create the one you want, and sometimes that requires cutting off the the one that refuses to listen and to adjust and be flexible. You know, I remember I was speaking to a young lady, and after listening to her, I said, I have a question. I said, when someone is talking, are you listening to really extract the message? Are you just waiting for your turn to speak? Yep. And without realizing it, it just came right off the top of her head. And she says, well, I'm waiting for a time to speak. Right. And I thought, there we go. This is why you're missing what's happening in your communications with your partner, because you're not listening to them. You're just waiting to say what's on your mind. Yeah. Right. And so you're going to have to back up and and rethink you know what's important to you and the other part is i want to say this core value piece that you mentioned never be afraid to walk away mm-hmm. i don't care what it is mm-hmm. right you cannot be afraid to walk away because fear is also a part of the communication mm. right yeah if you if you're fearful to walk out of a situation that's not working for you you are submitting then to that situation, right? You're saying, okay, I am going to accept this relationship even though you don't like it. Yeah. That's one of the things that we want to help people with. It's like, wait a minute, are they really listening or do they need a hear not listening to you or do they just need a hearing aid, right? Well, if they don't need a hearing aid and you know they're not listening to you, then you have to think about what your value where your value really lies, because if you don't have it for yourself, no one else is going to have it too, unfortunately. You know, that happened um, in, in, on an organization level. Uh, mm-hmm. This past week, I was in a meeting and uh, there was an individual that was, uh, you know, we're getting some logistics worked out and um, we thought we had one area worked out. And then the other organization that we were partnering with, Um, come to find out that wasn't going to be how it was. And, um, the liaison was, you know, just so frustrated because this person, you know, kept, she said, I just can't make them understand. I've told them over and over and they're not, they're not from here or anything like that. And, um, and yet they were defeating their core value. They said, which was to be community minded, yet they were being so inflexible when it came to, Um, the people that we represent. And she said, you know, I've just tried to, you know, to get them to understand. And so I told her, I I was like, hold up. 
I said they don't want to understand because if they wanted to understand, they would listen to what you were saying about our city and then they would adjust themselves because it's not what we're asking is not hard at all. It's a matter of just logistics that would take a few seconds to implement. So at this point, they don't want to understand. And now you're just, you know, you're just talking and they don't want to listen. They don't want to hear. And I also said that to, to me, that's a, that's dishonor. It's the highest form of dishonor where you're letting a person talk and you're not even considering nor listening or trying to understand what they're coming from. And then on top of that, and this is the ripple effect, their unwillingness to listen and to be flexible will actually not only make them look bad, but also make our organization look bad and that we didn't keep our word. Now things worked out, but it was very frustrating for her. And so you know, you have a saying, and I'm going to butcher it, so I'll need you to say it, but like you, you know, you have dogs and you're really good with, uh, with them and training them and stuff. And, you know, you're like, if, if I tell my dog to come and he or she does not come, then it ain't a matter of them not hearing me. How do you say that coach? Yeah. So your dog has exceptional hearing. <laughs> so when you call your dog, if they don't come to you right away, they just ignored you, right? <laughs> yes. And so, and so when you call your dog's name, especially at that stage, you should you should always be moving toward your puppy, right? Yes. So because you're establishing in your mind, their mind, when you hear my voice, you need to be coming in my direction, right? Yep. Well, it's the same thing with people. Um, of course, they can hear us. They're looking at us, right? right? <laughs> So, but if we're talking to somebody and it's like, you're ignoring us, it's like, okay, guess what? That's fine. You don't want to hear what I have to say. Mm -hmm. Well, now we know what the nature of our relationship is. Mm, right? That's good. And, and once we understand that, we are no longer confused. You don't want to hear what I have to say. There's no reason for me to be talking to you. And this applies across the spectrum of any kind of human interaction, because whether you're talking about business or anything, listening is still at the forefront of what we're doing, because that's how we get connected, right? Yeah. We're not just talking. Talking is an exercise. That is a physiological experience. You're just opening your mouth and you're just talking. But when we're listening to other people, now that's a cognitive experience. We are listening to them from our minds right now, right? We are blocking out all kinds of external phenomena so we can make sure that when Sherry Wilson is speaking, that Greg McNeil can hear exactly what she is saying. And if he doesn't quite understand it, he says, would you repeat that again so I make sure I'm on the same page with you? Yeah. If we... Right. Go ahead. Well, I was just thinking, you know, like when um, you let me know that you were moving, which was really hard for me. And so I didn't have much to say at the beginning. <laughs> but <laughs> since then, um, you know, I've had questions, you know, because we have like our coaching intensive and we have our podcast. Mm -hmm. And uh, so when we're talking about like logistics and scheduling and things like that, I remember when I um, trained with you one of the, the few the last times. Um, 
you had mentioned some things that were coming up. And so I asked a question. I said, so are you saying this, this, and this? And then you said, no. And then you told me what you were saying. I was like, okay. Uh, I don't know why people are afraid to do that, but it gave me an understanding of what was your context because I didn't quite catch your context and exactly what you were saying, which can be very common with deep personalities anyway because we don't always provide context. Um, but that's that's what you're talking about. It's like if I don't, if I'm unclear or you're unclear, then that's where questions need to occur. But that also requires uh, listening, good communication, a desire to understand where the other person is coming from in their context, huh, coach? And some people don't want that. Absolutely. And you use a key word. You said desire. Some people don't desire. They don't care about it. And so when we talk about relationships, I'm just going to say this. If someone cares about you the way you need them to. Mm -hmm. So in a professional setting, you respect your employees, you you respect your employers, right? Um, the minute that stopped happening, that relationship is no longer tenable for you. And you need to live a life in such a way so you are never obligated to stay in a place that's unhealthy for you, right? That's just, it's just not good. Um, but when it comes to other types of relationships, you really have to understand that when somebody indicates to you that they really have no interest in what you have to say, they are not loving you. Right. Okay. That's really what they're saying, right? It doesn't matter. I don't care if you're connected to religious organizations or whatever that is, that person is not loving you and you cannot force them to do so. Once you recognize that, put a sign on the door that says gone fishing. Sorry, I'm not trying to be <laughs> flippant, but what I'm saying is it's like you got a short lifespan. And when you think about when I'm talking about life, I'm not talking about whether or not if you're going to live to 85 or 90 or 100 years old. I'm saying there is a portion of your life where you have what I would describe as an elite experience or experiences. You enjoy your family, your, your spouse, your partners. You enjoy your business. You enjoy your health. You enjoy certain things in a phase of your life at a very high level. Yeah. Yeah. That phase like that. of your life must not be um, derailed, degraded minimize on any level by some people that does not want to join you in what you're doing. Yeah. So you hit 40 years old. So this is me, right? This is what I see clinically. When women hit 40 something years old, paradigms start breaking down around them, mm -hmm. right? And they start looking at that relationship and they have the strength to leave it, right? Yeah. Men start to struggle at that stage. Right. Because it's like, look, I don't know how you've been thinking like we started with the Marlboro man, but you need to change the way you're thinking, because otherwise you're going to try to hold another life hostage to a way of living that you have that doesn't even work for you. Mm -hmm. Right. Think about that. That way of life doesn't even work for you. But now you want to impose it on another people, another person. When people take the time to see that it's like it's time to go you've been given a uh, a life in which you can do amazing things 
and you do not want to sacrifice that for anyone that does not want to join you so you can join them in having great experiences, whether it's running a company, being a part of a, a, a team, a, a group that wants to do great community work, or if you're just going to be in emotional relationships with other people, it's still the same thing. Your yeah. time does not return to you. 